Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, ancient, A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Eric, welcome to the cave. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, thanks for uh, having me. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time, you know, season two of Kevin Kenneff himself. uh, Recently returned for the season two final season also. uh, How's this whole ride been for you so far, my friend? What's going through your thoughts since it's uh, recently uh, released? Um, You know, this whole process of being on and shooting and promoting and watching uh, Kevin Can Fuck himself has been just so great for me. Uh, obviously it's a super smart show that has a, a, a main, a major point of view, uh, and a real message to sort of get home and, and get across to the viewer. And so anytime you can be a part of something that actually is saying something and isn't just filler for, mm. for your television screen is exciting. And then on top of that, to have something that people are reacting well to, and it's kind of a buzzy show, and there's lots of, you know, think piece articles being written about it, and like, what does this mean? And and they're dissecting every little part of, you know, each episode. It feels really cool, you know? Uh, And getting to work with uh, Annie and Mary Hollis and Alex and Ray and uh, Brian and Candice and, you know, everybody in those, that's our main cast, uh, Jamie Dembo. Um, and then our creators and crew, everybody was just great the whole mm. time. First and second season. I got to live in Boston for right. essentially two big st- uh, stints, which was awesome. And I loved that. Uh, yeah, I, I just feel very blessed and uh, very happy to have done it and glad that people are enjoying it. That's awesome. We're going to dive into the show in a few minutes, but I, you know, I wanted to look at a little bit more about you. I saw that you're from Chicago. Yes. Acting bug. How did that hit you? Because I know you noticed. I saw you did a little musical, theater, little improv here and there. Like, what made you get yeah. into this? Um, funny story. Essentially, I was I was always the class clown. I was always you know trying to make people laugh. Like that's from as as young as I can remember. But I didn't necessarily want to be an actor until I was probably like a junior or senior in high school. Is when I was really like, yeah, I'm gonna try to do this. Uh, and I really only got into theater because uh, as a freshman in high school, I was 5'2 and 95 pounds. So I was <laughs> tiny, just a tiny little kid. And uh, my best friend, Larry Spertoli, uh, who I grew up with, was trying out for the football team. And he like told me he was sleeping over my house. He's like, hey, coach said that we can still take people for the football team. You should come and try out. And I was like, no, I'm too little. I'll get killed, man. This is no way. And then my dad and my little brother who both played football were like, come on, it's the best thing. And I was like, I love football guys, but I'm tiny. I will get killed. And they all convinced me to try out for the football team. So I went and tried out and I was on the team for about two weeks until (laughs) we started really doing hitting drills. And I was, I just, everybody wanted to be my partner so they could just blow me up. You know, it was like, I was a tackling dummy. So I eventually was like, this is not for me. I'm getting injured. (laughs) I'm too small. But my original plan had been to play soccer. But because I went out for football for two weeks, I missed Mm. the soccer tryout. And so I had nothing to do. And a friend of mine that I think was in band with me was like, hey, you should audition for the play. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like making people laugh. Maybe I'll try that. And I auditioned for my first play as a freshman in high school and loved it. And just felt like the people that were in theater were my people. You know, they Mm. were my 
tribe. They understood me. I could be myself around them. And I loved it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is where I belong. And then, but still didn't think I would do it as like a job or a career. But then once I was a junior or senior in high school, I, you know, had started to get the lead in a lot of shows and was really like, I think I'm actually pretty good at this. Why don't I try to do this for a living? Wow. In Chicago, you know, it's pretty big with a theater uh, district and everything. Like, uh, how was it like yeah. the first time performing in that area? You know, the, uh, Chicago is the best. I am such a proud Chicagoan. I have to clarify in case anybody who's legit from Chicago, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, I'm from the West suburbs. Uh, but I, I grew up in Carroll Stream, which is only about 30 minutes west of the city. Um, but because of that, and because we lived so close to Chicago, I got to see great theater from when I was young, even before I was in high school. Um, you know, my parents were taking me to see all the touring shows and the regional shows. So theater was a big part of my life and, and being in Chicago where it really is quality theater um, was awesome. And, I, and I'm sure influenced me later in life because I got mm. to see such good stuff there. Would you ever want to do theater again? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Is, there a place, uh, it, is there a place you want to like perform that you haven't performed yet? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd love to be back on Broadway and do another uh, Broadway show. Um, I've done four Broadway shows so far and, you know, a few national tours. Uh, mm. And, you know, theater is where I came up and it's where I really cut my teeth and it's where I feel probably the most comfortable. Um, so while I'm loving doing TV right now at this point in my career and I love living in L.A. and it's I will say this, that being a TV actor is much more conducive to being a dad than being in a Broadway show. Um, just because, you know, while uh, being on a TV show, I may have to leave for, you know, two months, maybe four months, but I'm probably coming home on maybe a weekend here or there. When you're in theater, that's, you know, eight shows a week, six nights a week that you are gone for every bedtime and every after school event. And so I love doing theater, but as a family man, it is, I like doing uh, TV because it allows me to spend more time with my family and, and still do what I love. Last question on the theater. I mean, like how different is it like performing in front of live people like that and then shifting over to the TV world? You know, it is, I always say this, cause I, I get asked this question a lot, having done a fair amount of both mediums. I, the best way to describe it is that as an actor, you still have to convey truth. You have to like be believable as whatever character you're playing and in whatever given circumstances you're in mm. what the difference is is just like the levers it's like how big is the reaction and how how much do you use physicality as you move through space right. and so doing theater obviously you're playing sometimes to a you know 6000 seat theater and you really have to be pretty big and broad with every physical movement, your facial expressions, the way that you say your words have to be much more bigger and clearer right um, and then when you're doing tv you know, they always say like the camera doesn't lie. All you got to do is like look into the camera. And if you're thinking the thought of your character, it will read, you know. So it is it is a big, you know, yeah. sort of lever shift. Um, but I'll say that they're both fun. And what was fun about on Kevin Kneff himself is that because of the multicam stuff had a live studio audience. I mean, it was only like 15 people, but we did have a right. small group of laughers that did make it feel a little closer to theater than, you know, if you were doing like a really gritty single camera mm. film or something yeah i remember when i had alex on the first season he told me originally you guys were supposed to have a live audience in there before yeah. COVID. the original plan was to do like like a real sitcom and have like a 200 or 100 uh seat sort of 
bench, right. you know, where we have all the stands and, and do the full multicam experience. And then, you know, obviously COVID hit and that was out the window. Right. So how do you make like only like 15, 30 people laugh? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think if a joke is real and if a joke yeah. is, is well-crafted and well-executed, you can make one person laugh. Right. right. And so, uh, but I, I do remember how, when we would do some of the multicam scenes, you know, we'd be about to come, you know, through the, the kitchen door or whatever. And I would sometimes pop my head out and remind the crew, Hey, you guys can laugh. Okay. If it's <laughs> funny, you guys can laugh because the crew on a, a film set or a TV show is so conditioned to staying and doing their job. And if it's not something that has a laugh track, mm. even if you're doing hilarious stuff, your job as a cameraman or a props person or whatever is to say, stay totally silent mm. while they're doing the stuff. But with multicam, because we are looking for the actual laughter to sort of help us with timing, um, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, I would pop my head out and be like, guys, you, you can laugh. If it's funny, please laugh. Even if it's not funny, just laugh. <laughs> please help us out. So yeah. That's awesome. So as I mentioned earlier, season two premiered recently. Uh, how was it filming the last season? And when you heard it was only be second season, that's it. What went through your mind without all that? Like, how did it make you feel at first? Um, I, I, I got to be honest. I felt okay about it. I mean, obviously okay. I was a little bummed because I loved the people I was working with. I, I enjoy playing this character. He's a fun challenging character to play so if we could have gone you know four or five seasons that would have been great but I will say that I, I think the way that our show is crafted with the going back and forth between the two mediums and because there was a real sort of like Allison needs to get out of here like that is the point of the show is how is Allison right. going to break free to had we gone three four or five seasons I don't know how you would necessarily keep the original idea of the show. Now, maybe they could have done something where she gets free and then, you know, there's two seasons of her living in California. I don't know. Right. You know? But for the original concept of the show, which I think is what made it so brilliant and so interesting, you kind of had to have like, this is where we're starting and she has to reach some sort of end zone, you know, to really like give a satisfying uh, conclusion to it. And so what was nice about, us getting picked up for a second season, but also sort of letting us know that that would be the end, is the writers were able to write to a real ending. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to like be like, well, we gotta kind of wrap things up so people feel okay about it, but also leave some cliffhangers so we can you know, right. do stuff for season three. They were able to just kind of like write to an ending like a, a novel. And, and also, you know, just personally with all the people in the show, the cast, crew, when it ended, we could just be like, yes, I'm glad we did this, we made this, and now we're done, and I love you, and I'll see you around. But there's not the like, all right, fingers crossed, maybe we'll see you in a couple months, you know, and it's right. kind of, you know, who knows what'll happen, you're right. waiting every, you know, every day, like for your agent to call, all right, they're thinking about picking it up. And so it was kind of nice to not have all of that stress and just sort of know that we were going to an ending point, have it be a strong ending, and, uh, and move on from there. Hey, you never know. You could get a phone call for a movie or something. You don't never know. know. <laughs> you never know. How much uh, for Kevin out of character? How much do you think he changed between season one into season two? Uh, almost none, but that's on purpose. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the big things I've talked about this on a couple of you know podcasty things, but uh, so forgive me if any of your listeners have heard me say this before. But one of the things that we love about sitcoms and sitcom characters is that they don't change, right? Mm -hmm 
We know what George Costanza is going to be like in any situation. Right. We know what Norm from Cheers is going to be like in any situation. The characters don't change. It's called situational comedy because the situations change, but these familiar characters are always reacting. Yes, we, you know, we want to be surprised, but we know that when Kramer comes through the door, we know what he's going to be. Right. He doesn't have emotional growth, right? He's, he is a character and you just want to see the situations around him change. Mm. So it was very important for me when playing Kevin to do that, to sort of really, even though Allison's life is drastically changing and she's having major growth and major yeah. changes and the, the relationships around her are changing. It was important for me for Kevin to be completely oblivious to that. And he really is just in a groove and a rut yes. of like, this is how I act and get out of the way because I'm not changing for anybody. Now I will say near the end of season two, which hasn't aired yet, there there are some there are some growth moments or change mm. moments. But uh, it was kind of important for me to up until the very end to really keep him right in the lane with blinders on to everybody mm. else's feelings and emotions and and you know wants and he's just singularly focused on his daily objective right you mentioned earlier that kevin was a little bit of a challenge also what did you mean by that like what challenged you with this character um well the main challenge for me was obviously stepping back and looking like a bird's eye view at the show and my mm -hmm. role in the show i knew i was the bad guy right like i know i'm the 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 antagonist and i am the person that is causing her to have this major like revelation in her life and and try to change and try to escape so i knew i had to like serve this story in that way of being the bad guy so i had to say lines to you know a female character that made me very unco uncomfortable right. as a person and treat people and you know, both male and female in such a dismissive sort of derogatory way which is not fun and then the challenging part was balancing those moments that had to happen just for storytelling purposes with trying to make Kevin as lovable as possible because I, I think at least our aim in the show was not to make a sitcom that was like, I'm the dumb husband and there's my hot wife, you stink, you know, and just be yeah. like, so like, you know, twisting the mustache and like such a clear bad guy. What we wanted to have happen was that you'd be watching this sitcom part and be like, oh man, I love this. This, this feels like a comfortable sitcom that mm. I could enjoy and watch. But then you're like, well, what did he just say to her? And then like seeing how those things affected her in the single camp. So it was sort of this like tight wire act of you have to be mean and terrible, but also you have to try to balance it with as much sort of lovable, goofy energy as you can so that the show can be truly thought provoking as opposed to kind of too too much on the nose well you can see between season one and season two also like throughout the seasons uh like your character there's times where you're like you are a nice guy kevin is a nice guy but there's other times where you're like whoa did you really have to go that far with right. yeah you know point a or point b and it's like yeah. does that is that like a roller coaster for you when yeah uh you know i i always kind of viewed when i had to do those you know whether it be a line or a brief right. moment because i felt like we did a good job of never really like living in kevin being a bad guy when he would yeah. be a bad guy or do something bad it would just sort of like dip the toe in 
and then kind of move on. Um, so it was a little bit of a roller coaster, but it wasn't too bad because again, I was trying to sort of keep him as lofty and lovable as I can and then dip down into these like terrible things and then bring him right back up. But yeah, that, that can be you know, a little challenging. Do you think like Kevin has any idea like he's bringing other people down with him when he acts like that? No. He's in no his one. own world. Completely in his own world. You know, I think one of the, the best descriptions of that character is he has such a, uh, a, a bravado that is completely unearned, right? He is so sure that everything he says and does is the best and the best idea and the funniest and the cutest and whatever. He thinks he is doing the best. And he truly believes that. Like he's not putting on to try to like have bravado. He really believes that he is like the greatest guy to ever live. Um, and then, but it's just completely unearned and un, <laughs> there's no foundation right. for him to feel that way, but he does regardless. Yeah. So we noticed like throughout a couple of characters throughout the seasons, uh, they go into the sitcom world and they go into like the dark, would you say dark world, real world? Yeah, How would you call so it? like multi-cam and single yeah. cam. Were you hoping you had parts into both worlds? Um, yes. Uh, I. How much can I say? <laughs> um, uh, let's just say this. There will be... Uh, there is... At the end of the, the show, you'll see moments where Kevin will have a reckoning. Right. I know what you're talking about. I saw this. I saw the second season, so I know what okay, you're talking you about. The whole thing, yeah. But I was kind of hoping, like, we we hoping, like, throughout in the beginning of the show from season one, yeah. you were in and out, anyways. I did. I did, frankly, hope that it would that I could have gotten to do more of the single cam. Um, yeah. That's not how they wrote it, um, because I do think that the seeing how he acts in the multicam and the repercussions of that on Allison and on mm. Neil and on his dad and on, you know, um, uh, Patty, we see the weight of those things in the single cam, but there's yeah. seen like very kind of lofty things in the multicam. So I would have loved to show kind of more of the actual truth of his yeah. dastardly, terrible behavior. Um, but I do think with a little bit of, you know, retrospect on it, that you know there's the old idea in like greek theater and greek tragedies that the main violence or the main yeah. tragic thing didn't happen on stage it was always off stage and then it let the audience be like imagine how much worse it could be it's always going to be worse in your head than it is if you actually show it you know and so then i thinking of it through that lens kind of made me feel like okay it's actually better that we don't see him in single cam all the time and he does stay in this sort of like lofty above it all, but we see it's really truly like pounding away at the people around him yeah. and, and cracking them and, and destroying their their lives. Richard Allison, like now how if you could describe how would you describe like the the relationship between Allison and Kevin? Um I think it's it is founded in a sweet place. I think the foundation of it yeah. was a sweet thing i don't think that he was ever trying to destroy her or bring her down right. and i don't think that she always thought that he was a bastard you know i think right. that she at first and we saw that in episode three or four we got to see like when they met and i do think that how they met was sweet and young and there's a lot of people that get into relationships at a young age where it seems convenient and mm. the person makes you laugh and you feel comfortable, you don't feel challenged too much. And you're just like, 
yeah, okay, this is good. And then sometimes those relationships, you know, 10 years down the line, people start to realize there's more to me or there's more to the world. And, and then the cracks start to form. But I always tried, as, as I was saying before, like I really tried to put as much balance on Kevin as I could. That like, mm. I didn't ever want him to seem like he was so annoyed by Allison or like she was such a drag on him. I think he really loved her. And right. He really thought she was great. And he was doing the best that he thought he could in every moment. But clearly, he had, he had a lot to learn and has a lot to learn. <laughs> I mentioned uh, I had Alex on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago and everything, uh, character of Neil. Now, how do you, how do you describe that friendship? Because there's there, throughout the season, you seem like you make him do things he doesn't want to do. Yeah, that is a, a truly sort of, um, I always kind of thought of it as like the, what is it, the like, you know, sharks have like those little remore fish yeah. that sort of like come with them. And even though Neil is bigger than Kevin is, I always thought of Kevin as kind of like the shark that's going through. And Neil was, despite his size, which is what made it so funny for Alex to be such a big, you yeah, know, yeah. impressive guy. And then for him to essentially shrink himself in every interaction with Kevin to be like, okay, yeah, man. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. Like a, a puppy dog, you know? Um, and so I do think, again, I don't think that Kevin views him as subservient. I think he views him as his best bud. And, mm. but he definitely views he's number one and Neil is number two. And he's the alpha, he's the beta, right? And they yeah. even mentioned that in, in some of the scripts. But yeah, I think it's, it's one of those relationships where again, Kevin is not uh, on, he's not on purpose trying to, you know, destroy Neil's life and, and make right. him do stuff he doesn't want to do. I think he really is, he just doesn't know any better. Um, and getting to work with Alex was just the best because we became very good friends. We lived together in the second season, me and Alex right. and uh, Ray Lee, who played Sam, the three of us rented a house in, uh, in Mashfield yeah. uh, down on the South shore. And uh, we had a great time just sort of like <laughs> playing ping pong and, and watching football and, and shooting the show together. So it was, it was really great. I was told to ask you actually about the Boston accent. You and Alex picked it up pretty well. How did you guys pull that off? Thank you. Uh, that's it's very impressive. I actually met uh, a fan at an event a couple nights ago, and I was talking to her, and she was like, "Wait, you don't? You're not from Boston?" I was like, "No, no, it's just it's acting," <laughs> um, you know. And I, I will say this: I accents have always sort of come to me pretty easily. I've had an ear for them, but I'd never done the Boston accent before. Um, I learned the kind of main, you know, drop the R's, those kind of things. Uh, but being around, because we shot it in Boston, getting to like actually live amongst the people. And I lived in the South Shore both times, both seasons, which is really the kind of like fishermen that are real, like just old school Boston. And so I got to really hear it around me. Um, one of the things that one of my friends told me when I was auditioning, who was from Boston, she was like, it's all about slurring uh, phrases together. So it's not about slurring your words, but if I was going to say like, can you pass me the salt? You know, right now I'd say, can you pass me the salt? But in, yeah. in, in the Boston accent, it'd be like, can you pass me the salt? It's all one word, right? It's all sort of slurred together. There's an overarching right. kind of vibe to it. And then I think if you sort of get, 
it's all about the attitude of the face. And with the Boston accent, if you sort of have this, like, you smelled something a little bad and you're like, what are you talking about? And everything, once you start to like think in that way and then you drop the R's and then it kind of all, it, it seems, yeah. seems to come pretty naturally. But I, I love the accent and I still to this day will sometimes just talk in it because right. it's, it's a fun accent to use. Yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. I've been to Boston plenty of times. So it's just like, it's just like, it's great how you guys could just, just like that, pick it up. I'm glad. I'm glad people liked it. Yeah. I got to know now, if you feel like a trader talking about Tom Brady and everything all the time, Red Sox shirts, Patriots shirts. <laughs> you know, here's what I will say. I, uh, so I'm from Chicago and I'm a diehard sports fan. Luckily, the, you know, the whole New England sports team are not real like rivals of the Chicago sports teams. So I was actually able to, it didn't bother me as much. Had we, if the show was set in green Bay, Wisconsin, and I had to be talking about like how great Aaron Rodgers was, that would break my heart. I I would maybe have to quit the show. uh, (laughs) That That would be a bridge too far. Now were, uh, were you able to keep anything from the show? Yeah, I kept a couple things. I, um, I have a couple pairs of Kevin shoes. I have, I have quite a few t-shirts that he wore. A lot of the like New England, you know, Red Sox, Patriots t-shirts. I have a guitar, which, which I broke. There was a a scene in season one where we're forming uh, Jenny McCarthy tank top, the the band. And there was a scene where I like, say like yeah and i'm and i was going to break the guitar on the table and so they had like eight guitars and we did eight takes and in seven of them i broke the guitar and it was great and smashed so one of those that broke i have in my house but the one time when i hit the table and it didn't break and i was i kind of did an ad lib i was like wow that's a strong guitar and then then we ran off to the end of the scene that's the one that they ended up (laughs) keeping in the show the one that i didn't break and then i also have uh, I have the Wade Boggs rookie card. There you go. <laughs> when you watch the show now, like as as a as a as a viewer, who's your favorite cast or not cast member? Who's your favorite character? Would you say oh. other than Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great question. I you know I think I love Allison and Patty are just so okay. compelling to watch. And I think, you know, Annie does such a brilliant job of sort of having this simmering river of angst underneath what she's playing, you know, of yeah. this just desperate need to get out. And I think the the acting work that Mary Hollis has done as Patty is so subtle and interesting and nuanced. And the way that their relationship has unfolded in the show, you know, it was helpful. They were very and are very close friends in real life as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of chemistry between the two of them is it's electric and it's great. You know, it's really fun to watch as a viewer. That's great. Now, I know we can't talk spoilers, but are you satisfied with the ending? The last clip of the. Yes. The I am. Now, what's next for Eric? Any other projects you're allowed to tell us about or you got coming out? Sure, yeah. Um, couple things I got, uh, I am a voice on a animated TV show called Madagascar, a little wild, um, which is currently on Hulu and Peacock, um, which has been really fun. We finished wrapping on that, but we did, uh, like 52 episodes. So those are all out on Hulu and Peacock. If you have young kids, I play Anthony the pigeon, who's a pigeon from Long Island. Uh, and then, uh, I have a new, uh, Apple TV show that's going to be coming out 
I don't know when, I'm assuming probably winter, maybe just after the new year, uh, which is gonna be called either high desert or swamp flower. I'm not sure <laughs> because I actually just did some ADR work on it the other day and it still said swamp flower, but I think they're gonna name it high desert. So I don't know. But if, yeah. if you see a new Apple TV show that stars Patricia Arquette, I'll be, uh, I'm on that That's show. Right. Now, now, would you ever wanna do a real sitcom? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I will say this. I don't know, it would be tricky at this point, having done this show, right. I don't know that I can necessarily play just like a dumb, lovable dad or like a dumb, mm. lovable guy. I think the character that I'd have to play on it would have to be pretty far from Kevin. Otherwise, I do think that there's a little like, well, what, what, what would you make the other show for? Like, what, what were you right, trying to say, right. you know? So <laughs> I, I love sitcoms and I've done, you know, a bunch in the past and, and would love to do more in the future. And mm. I think one of the big ideas from our show is that hopefully writers of upcoming and sitcoms to be will take a more nuanced full view mm. of all of the characters on the page and, and nobody sort of gets relegated into the wife right. character of go grab the beer and do the laundry. Right, right. Uh, Eric? How can the viewers and listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can find me. My Instagram is at Eric Pete, one word. Uh, I also have a fashion Instagram that I'm trying to build up, uh, which is at the portly gentleman, all one word, the portly gentleman. Um, and uh, my Twitter is at Eric Peterson 44. This is great. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Thanks so much, man. It's great talking. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time.